2: The subject of the Second Coming is of perennial interest to many Christians, but it's also an article of faith in Islam, and many people in the West don't realize this. Although there are many uh, reference to it in the Bible, in the Gospels, in Paul's writings, who thought in certain passages that it would happen within his own lifetime, the Quran also possibly speaks about it. And there are many hadith that clearly do speak about it. And I want to share some thoughts and reflections from the Islamic Jesus by Mustafa Akyol, who writes in the eighth chapter, A Second Coming, like it's Abrahamic sister faiths Islam has a tradition of eschatology that's a fancy scholarly word meaning the end times eschaton means end and ology is the study of so eschatology is a narrative about how the world will come to an end in this vision the world we know in fact the whole universe will collapse one day at the hour as the Quran calls it in a terrifying way The sun will go black, the stars will be dimmed, and the mountains will move. In one of the vivid descriptions of the hour in the aptly named Quranic chapter ripped apart, that's Surah 84, we read, when the sky is ripped apart, obeying its Lord as it rightly must. When the earth is leveled out, casting out its contents and becomes empty, obeying its Lord as it rightly must. You humans, toiling laboriously towards your Lord, will meet him. As told here, the hour will be only the beginning of the afterlife, when we humans will all meet our maker. First, all the dead will arise from their graves asking, alas for us, who has raised us from our resting place? Then all souls who were ever created and who ever lived will gather at a scene of the great reckoning where God will judge each individual according to his or her deeds on earth. The good will be welcomed to paradise, an abode of pleasure and bliss, whereas the wicked will be thrown into hell, an abode of humiliation and torment." All these scenes of the afterlife are narrated in the Quran in detail, especially in the short chapters which were early in the revelation but were placed towards the end of the text during the compilation of the Quran. But what will happen before the hour, on the other hand, does not seem to be a great concern for Islam's scripture, which includes hardly anything about it. However, The Islamic tradition has developed a major extra Quranic literature on this matter, mainly as a result of the Hadiths or sayings attributed to Muhammad. These were originally oral traditions, which were only canonized almost two centuries after the death of the prophet. So they have never been considered as reliable as the Quran itself, and their soundness has always been a matter of controversy. Nevertheless, in both Sunni and Shiite Islam, a hadith based literature developed that gives us a detailed scenario of the times before the hour or the end of times. Accordingly, decades before the coming of the hour, the world will go through a major final confrontation between the forces of good and evil. In the earliest stage of this confrontation, humanity will be corrupted with sin, injustice and reign supreme and Muslims will be divided and misguided and oppressed. Then God will send a saviour to Muslims who will revive their faith, resolve their disputes and empower them against their enemies. This saviour will be called the Mahdi or the guided one, and I've done a separate video on this with a professor from Zaytuna. If you look for it on Blogging Theology, he will not be a prophet, someone who receives revelation from God, but he will still be the greatest figure in Islam since the last prophet, the prophet Muhammad. He will actually be, one could say, Islam's own version of the Jewish Messiah. Yet, according to the same narrative, the Makdi will accomplish only a part of the mission of putting the world in order. For the greater task, he would need the help of a long bygone prophet who will miraculously come back to earth to join forces with him. For an outsider to Islam, it would make sense to assume this prophet would be none other than Islam's own, the prophet Muhammad. But remarkably, he is none other than jesus christ indeed it may be news to christians that just like many among themselves many muslims are also anticipating a second coming of jesus it is a serious anticipation though and quite a powerful one A 2012 poll conducted by the Washington based Pew Research Center showed that roughly half the populations in 22 Muslim majority countries believe not only that Jesus will return but also that his return is imminent that it will happen in their own lifetimes. Those who shared this belief turned out to be 65% of the population in Turkey, 67% in Tunisia, 64% in Iraq, and 55% in Pakistan. Where exactly does this widespread belief come from? Most traditional Muslim sources would argue that it comes from both the Quran and the Hadiths. It might be more accurate to say, however, that the second coming of Jesus is explicitly announced only in the Hadith literature, whereas the Quran has only a few and disputed hints about it. Let's look at the Quran. There is certainly no passage that unambiguously states that Jesus will come back to earth at the end of times. Rather, Quranic exegetes have inferred that promise from a few ambiguous verses. The first of these is the statement that denies the Jews, that the Jews crucified and killed Jesus. After noting, they certainly did not kill him. The verse ends, God raised him up to himself. Since the Quran never says God raised him up to himself for anyone other than Jesus, many exegetes have thought that there must be something unusual here. Moreover, in another Quranic verse, God speaks to Jesus and says, Jesus, I will take you and raise you up to me. The expression take you in Arabic has been interpreted in various ways. And while some suggested that it means, I will take you to your death, others opted for, I will gather you, or even make you sleep. As a result, an interpretation developed asserting that Jesus never died, went up to heaven alive, and continued living in a metaphysical realm, in fact in the same realm with the angels. If this is really the case, and Jesus never really died, then what are we supposed to make of the statement that the Quran ascribes to him? Quote, Peace be upon me the day I was born, and the day I die, and the day I am raised up again alive. End quote. The exegetes found the solution in the second coming. Jesus will come back to earth again to live the second part of his life and then to die a natural death at old age. A legend even grew up that after his second coming, Jesus would live for 40 years, get married and have children and ultimately be buried by Muslims next to Muhammad. Hence, to this day, in the very tomb of Islam's prophet in Medina, there is an empty space reserved for Jesus.
1: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or Mc Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savoury tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time.
0: And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price.
1: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. When
0: you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com
2: There are two other verses in the Quran that have been taken as evidence for the second coming of Jesus. The first one is in a passage that, after speaking of Jesus, plainly states, quote, he is a sign of the hour the hour that will bring the end of the world. Unquote. This may indeed be taken as a hint that Jesus will appear again at the end of times, but it also may have a more modest meaning, such as that Jesus' miraculous birth is a sign of God's omnipotence, which will be even more visible at the hour. The other verse of the Quran related to this discussion is one that has puzzled exegetes for centuries. It comes right after the statement, God raised Jesus up to himself and makes a very perplexing claim. According to this author, there is not one of the people of the book who will not believe in him before he dies there is not one of the people of the book who will not believe in him before he dies. What does this mean? This is perplexing, he writes, because it is hard to understand what it exactly foretells to begin with. It's unclear who he is in the clause before he dies. Each and every individual Jew or Christian or Jesus himself. So which is it? He says it's ambiguous. Both options have been considered by Muslim exegetes and rulers. In a chilling story, al-Hajjaj ibn Yusuf, who died in 714 AD, the heavy-handed governor of Iraq during the Umayyad empire, opted for the former interpretation that each and every individual in the people of the book will come to believe in Jesus before they die. So every Christian, every Jew will come to believe in Jesus before they die. That would be all fine, however, had he not also put this interpretation to a cruel test. As he told an Islamic scholar who began to work under his auspices, he would give orders for a Jew or Christian to be decapitated, in other words, their head chopped off, and watch him with my own eyes. He was hoping to see a testimony to faith in Jesus, faith in the way Islam describes. But I do not see them move their lips, he added in dismay, before they are extinguished in return, the scholar said to him that he was executing these poor people for no reason. O Emir, he cried, it is not in accordance with how you have interpreted it. The before he dies clause is not about the death of individual Jews and Christians, the scholar explained, but about the death of Jesus. What a horrible story, this ruler executing Christians and Jews to try his his theory, which was wrong anyway, seemingly. This latter interpretation has been the more common one in the Islamic tradition that all Jews and Christians who will believe in Jesus before he, Jesus, dies. In this interpretation, the verse becomes a hint for the second coming of Jesus. Jesus will come again. He will unite all monotheists under his banner for all three Abrahamic faiths will recognize him as the Messiah. So even Jews who have obviously disowned him or disavowed his messiahship will recognize that he is the authentic, real messiah. Yet neither this verse nor others that are taken as evidence for Jesus' descent during the end of times are explicit. They don't state it in absolutely clear terms, he argues. They all depend on how you interpret them. Therefore, it is not possible to say that the Quran is clear cut on this issue. No wonder some modernist interpreters of Islam, especially those who rely on the Quran but remain sceptical of the Hadiths, have seen the second coming as a myth incorporated from Christianity. However, when we look at the Hadith literature, we see no doubt that the second coming of Jesus is an article of faith. There are dozens of Hadiths in core collections such as Sahih Bukhari, Sahih Muslim and Sunan Abu Dawud, all named after their compilers, that tell us that the Prophet Muhammad, with God's gift, foresaw the end of times and narrated it to his contemporaries. By the one whose hands my life is in, We hear from Muhammad, surely the son of Mary will descend amongst you as a just ruler. What will this just ruler do? Well, he is certainly not envisaged as the divine saviour of Christianity, but as a prophet who will confirm the truth of Islam. And in fact, call on Christians to accept the truth by giving up their erroneous beliefs. So to give up the Trinity, the Incarnation, Jesus being God and all that jazz. An oft repeated line in the Hadith collections about Jesus reads, quote, he will break the cross, kill the swine and abolish the jizya, the latter being the poll tax levied on non-Muslims. Muslim interpreters have often understood breaking the cross as disestablishing Christianity as a separate religion from Islam, and killing the swine as reestablishing the Mosaic law with rules such as abstaining from pork. Meanwhile, abolishing the jizya was taken as a hint that either Christians will be given a grim choice, convert or die, or, more upliftingly, that the world will become so prosperous that there will be no need to collect taxes. The Hadiths and commentaries written on them by scholars of the classical age of Islam, in fact, present us with a colorful scenario of how events will proceed regarding the second coming of Jesus and its background. To give a brief summary, the scenario begins with the Mahdi, As as mentioned before, a progeny of the Prophet Muhammad emerging at a time when Muslims are killed everywhere. This great leader will reestablish the righteous caliphate, unite all Muslims under his banner and uplift the Ummah, the global community of Islam, from its malaise. However, soon the forces of evil will have their answer to the coming of the Mahdi, the rise of al-Masha al aj Majal or the deceiving Messiah, which is Islam's version of the Antichrist. This will be an evil man who will enchant many people with his sorcery and will make them worship Satan. He will also gather a huge army that will crush the muslims and encircle them in jerusalem which is envisaged in the hadiths as a muslim city so that's going to be reclaimed from zionists perhaps at this point this, as the story goes on god will send the only person on earth who can defeat the false messiah the true messiah jesus who is alive in heaven will descend to earth literally from the sky first to damascus and then to jerusalem in the latter city he will meet the mahdi who will even modestly ask him jesus to lead the prayer recalling the new testament story of jesus being baptized by john the baptist although being superior to him With the glorious coming of Jesus, the empowered Muslims will be able to defeat the army of the false Messiah during the great battle, as it's called, which seems to be Islam's own version of the biblical Armageddon. After all that turmoil, an era of peace, prosperity and bliss will begin. The Mahdi will die at some point, but Jesus will continue to rule as Jews, Christians and Muslims would be united under his leadership. All the Abrahamic faiths would be united under the leadership of Jesus. The entire earth would be filled with justice, just as it were filled with injustice and oppression. Yet after the passing of Jesus Humanity will go down the path of corruption again, only until the hour comes and finishes everybody and everything off. He writes. This, in conclusion, is a very condensed summary of the scenarios of Islamic eschatology, whereas the Hadiths and their commentaries give us a vivid detail of almost every stage. Anyway, i leave it there. There's more in this chapter. But um, that's a fascinating survey, uh, particularly of the Hadiths, which make it very clear the authentic Hadiths, the second coming, is a tenant of Islamic faith, uh, just as it is for traditional Christians. So I hope you found that interesting. Till next time